0: If you're in Ireland and you're a new driver, if you're like getting your driver's license, they make you put a red in, in the back of your car. So it's just like novice, like a, like a new driver. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like, just like a Nebraska in. <laughs> so like Nebraska fans have been like, do we already go over this whole fucking country, bro? Alan, punch that accelerator, or I'll shoot you in the foot,
1: America! This slow the car down. We're pushing the car seat! Okay, I'm coming it's in. Right Come
0: yeah. what? Did you yell America when you hit the accelerator?
2: Nope. No. No. Hey,
1: everybody! Welcome back to the College Football Uncensored podcast. Brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, Resident Bama Extraordinaire. Oh Chris Marlar. That's right. What's going on, man? It's a big week. I dude, it's the first week of college football. I feel like a whole I feel like a whole person again. Football starts. We wake up Saturday morning and we are just hours away from a game. Yeah. In another country, but I a game nonetheless. Here's my thing about us trying to spread
0: college football to another country. Of all the things we've ever tried to spread to another country, democracy. Still still doing the show. Oh, oh, tough. Um, yeah. Democracy <laughs> or any of those things. Um, You know, I think college football is probably the best one that we could spread. Democracy didn't go well. But I do want to say this. Uh, this is a this is just a bad lead in to what I really do want to talk about, which is Ben Coulter bringing up South Carolina's new mascot names, Decocracy.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. So, so South Carolina is they're changing the name of their time um, for Ned. Um, they're they're changing the name of their uh, um, I guess like their actual mascot, magical, mas- but not like cocky, not like the like the mascot mascot, but like the actual real live, like, rooster. Okay. And they're changing Go it on. here. So it's, it's a vote. But I The fans is, are I'm, voting on this? Yeah, they're allowed to vote on it. So right now, like, the, the clear leader is, is Cock Commander. But but Cluck Norris was an option? Yeah. Cl- I mean, Cluck Norris is... Yeah, that, that thing's fucking terrible. Okay, so, I mean wait,
1: yeah, okay yeah. So right now, oh, of course, 69%. Cockman. Cluck Norris. Coop. I feel like you're just kind of being lazy when you do that. Coop. What? Cluck Norris? No, Cluck Norris is awesome. Mother Clucker. Cocky, is that Mc- there? Is that an option? cocky McCockface. <laughs> what are these? <laughs> <laughs> Cocky
0: McCockface. Why
1: are they changing the name of the mascot? Do we know? I think it was, it was too inappropriate. Big, or Sir Big Spur was the name, I guess. Yeah, is that, that's inappropriate, I guess, because maybe it's. It sounds down. Yeah. And we're talking about Cocky McCockface as something Cocky different than that. face is so much. <laughs> okay, what's going on here? <laughs> what was What was the next one? You can see it right there on the screen. Big Toe Joe Cockavan. Pronounced like Cockavan. Look at the third one down. down. Wait, which one? The third one down. <laughs> this can't. That can't be real. Oh, <laughs> okay. Man. Oh, Booza. In the chat. Look at Clinton this. Norris. Two fingers of Woodford and ready for the preview.
0: I read that as Pew Pew.
1: Oh. Cockman's
0: crime? Love that. That's so good. You know what? How about this? How about we give away we'll give away a sticker tonight to the best um what do you call it? South Carolina uh, what do you call it? Uh, mascot name. Yeah. I mean Coctimus Prime is tough to beat.
1: I do like Coctimus Prime. So yeah. basically we're just making cock jokes at this point. So yeah,
0: well, we'll, that that's goes kind well of that. The whole that. I mean, you remember
1: like you're in like in middle school and high school and there's
0: always like one dude named Brendan who had a cox hat. It's like, did you get it, bro? Did you get it?
1: For sure, for sure.
0: What was the other one? People Moorhead State.
1: Yes. Uh what was it? There was one of those the the, the camels. I don't remember that. Beavers,
0: Oregon State. Like for a while there, Moorhead, Oregon State, and then in South Carolina, they had like the best. I think I had a Morehead State hat before I had ever gotten had in my life. I probably shouldn't say that. I don't know. <laughs> I was like fucking like like 13 or 12. And I was like, dude, you guys get it, dude? I was watching MTV jams. On MTV spring break, and someone had this hat on, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to Lids, I'm getting the hat.
1: I got a uh a unique <laughs> fact about myself when it comes to MTV. Oh god. When I was 14 years old, 15, 14, down, I was I was down in the Keys with my family. Okay. And a area talent scout came up to me, approached me, and said Hey, we're filming. Remember they used to do, uh, the TRL end of summer countdown? Yeah, yeah, it was the best. Yeah, so I was sat on the beach for like twelve hours in the in the crowd, and was a part of like a TRL end of summer countdown. You remember it was like people like lounging in the beach, like so when they go yeah. back to Carson Daly. I was on that in the key. and. And I got to make a video. Remember when you can make the videos where they pop up when the videos play? Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, my name's Tyler I'm from Atlanta. I'll request Blink 182, The Rock Show.
0: Man, but it, but this is,
1: hold on. Okay, this is. People, they're like 24 year olds right now have absolutely zero idea what we're talking yeah, yeah. about. But hold on, this is cocky is
0: good. Hold on, so this is when you were in 8th grade, huh? We're losing followers I was, right away. I was going into uh, my sophomore year of high school. Ah, uh, okay,
1: okay. Because I feel like
0: going into freshman year was like a, a landmark year for yeah. music. You had LFO come out. Um, yeah, who could forget? Did you watch Woodstock 99, the documentary yet? Oh, yeah. What did you think about that?
1: That was interesting. Uh, especially the part where they had... Um, Who's the DJ? The DJ? That played that, like, there was a dude that stole an ambulance? Dude. That was so fun. Um, I mean, that was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. And then I just finished the Manti Teo thing last night. I've watched that like three times. Did you feel bad for him or no? So here's the thing. Okay. I'm, and I, I do want to talk about
0: this because I, I, I felt bad for the fact that it's like, man, like, this person went so far beyond. Like, like, oh my! Like she, she could have just broken things off with them, but she was like, "Oh my god, I got into a car wreck!" Like, think about how long she had to.
1: When she, when he started like doing that, and like I was like, "This person, then a male, now a female, is one of the most fucked up people I've ever ever seen in my yeah." Like, and what made it so screwed up was the fact that when they when they would interview her she was like she like wanted people to feel bad for her. Okay, you know so here's here's the here's the takeaways I have for the Manta tayoff thing. I'm like so,
0: so the here's, uh, not being here's, here's very of the most fucked up parts of that movie or that that entire show. One, she made up that she got into a car wreck, right? And then did the breathing thing for a full Can you imagine how how committed to being crazy you have to be? to do that for a full fucking month of, of just like, like, you know, he's like, he's like porn stars. Like, like, I mean, if I'm him at some point, I'm not like, Hey, Renee, I'm praying for you. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put you over here. I'm going back to playing video games. Like what the fuck, man? Like for a while, that had just be dead air. Then she made up as she got into a car wreck, she made up, she had leukemia. Not cool. Old move. But but also it was fucked up was that then she started like weirdly taking credit for his success. And she was like, you know, I was like telling him like you gotta read your, your keys and you gotta make sure, like you know, go with the flow of like the, the defense, and you got you gotta read what the offense is doing. And it was like that
1: should have been the first sign. Yeah. Like this guy, this girl feels like she's played like high school quarterback, which the dude had. Yeah. Uh How about the weird? I don't, I didn't remember this from the story. The weird Dr. Phil like showing (laughs) where he like put her behind a wall when Dr. Phil came on. (laughs) Like, like this. She she said she couldn't perform it. She had to be in the, she had to be in a dark room. Remember this when she was like, I had to be, I had to put myself in, and then so they just put a wall in front of her and then she started to.
0: (laughs) I I don't care how this sounds. This is going to, this is going to come off as bad, but I mean it. That, person's transition wasn't anywhere close to being as awkward as the transitions in that documentary. Like, like they would be like, Hey, like, you know, and then, and then, and then he had an interception against Michigan state and they won the game. And then it's like, and then like they do in any documentary, it's like, and it just says like Dr. Phil, I was like, what the fuck is, why is Dr. Phil sitting down? It's always in some fucking abandoned warehouse. It's always in a banner warehouse, and there's one chair. And then it's like, what's up, guys? I'm I'm Do- I'm Dr. Phil. I haven't told you my Dr. Phil story.
1: No, no, I don't know the Dr. Phil story. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting documentary. Yeah. I felt bad for him at the end when he was, like, clearly emotional. He's like, yeah, people have been making fun of me, basically, for the last decade. It's like, yeah, that kind of oh, sucks. I, I did
0: feel bad for him on that. Like, that because yeah. it's like – in the end, was like super emotional. I felt like, you know, because to nobody had to go through like that is. I mean, I, somebody did a whole. I made a lot of manti teo
1: jokes. I'll, I'll admit it. Hand up. We oh, too. Somebody did a whole bobblehead night for him. With like a fake like arm around something, or like with a ghost or something. No, it was just an empty box. <laughs> Damn, poor guy. Yeah, it's tough. Um. Uh, yeah and then obviously i the the woodstock one was was crazy too that scene where first of all they were trying to mimic woodstock and they booked corn and limp biscuit
0: that part for me was like
1: i got claustrophobic watching that corn when they when they came into that song and the crowd just went insane and i was like can you imagine that like post-pandemic being that close to people like that you been to I'd say like the one where I felt most like packed in was uh I went to Mumford and Sons in Centennial Park, and I was like I was with some people that got claustrophobic like legit claustrophobic and had to like leave the crowd really uh I've been to some big ones at Centennial I went to Outkast at Centennial, Dave Matthews. Muse, remember I mean, the band Muse? Do you remember when we had the final four and they had all those free concerts down there?
0: Yeah, me and Booty got kicked out. The like, guy was just doing the live event with, which we are postponing, by the yeah. way. But me and Booty got kicked out within like 12 minutes to go down there. Yeah, that, those were fun, though. They, that, that's where I no. saw half these. Um, we had um, I saw Dave Matthews at Hangout Fest, and I'll just never forget being, um, what's the best way to put it? Um, high and um and watching dave matthews and and like there he is um and uh, then this guy got hit with something um he got hit with something in the back and he was so fucking mad and he was like trying to fight somebody at a dave matthews concert i was like how are you this mad at a dave matthews concert i've
1: never seen anyone mad at a dave matthews concert
0: the Lamaconda.
1: what's up what's up
0: dude what are y'all doing? We are. Okay, so let's just let's just get into this. We're we're joined now. We're doing the Bama preview show with one of our most difficult guests we've ever been able to book on here. It's Clint Lamb from On3. Um Clint, introduce yourself, man.
2: I would argue with you, but you're 100% correct. How long have we been planning this, man?
0: 2 to 3 years, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
2: um, <laughs> I've been I was able to avoid you for I had a good run. I'll put it that way. You, did. You,
0: did, you were able to do it at media days in person, which was tough to do.
2: They, I, I dipped out on a lot of people at media days. <laughs> uh, the problem is, is like you get hit up and it's like, there's so many people. Yeah. And then you're like, man, I, I'm not even going to answer this text. Cause like, I'm so swamped. And then you turn a corner and like, there they are. And you're like, uh, hey, yeah. Well, luckily
0: I, I forgot my credentials on day four. so. <laughs> I mean,
2: I wasn't even there on day four. I got out of there. I, was like, I, I really think Chris is probably going to try to find me and get me onto his podcast. <laughs> and I need to get out of here. I need to dip quick. So. What was the last
0: night we were there together? Was it because we went out drinking one night and and it was it was, oh, I was I the most about. awkward night. Like, I mean, if you I just were, know that
2: you had that random lady that w- was very rude to you, and then decided that you were the rude one. It yeah, got, it it took, it took a turn quick.
0: She was a female. She was not a lady. I will say that right now.
2: She, <laughs> I she would, had
0: like I don't Tyler, have you ever seen heavyweights, the movie Heavyweights. Of course. The dance scene in heavyweights is exactly what was happening. Me, Clint, and Chris Gordy were just hanging out, and and then like somebody came over, like the whole place smelled like a fart. Like the whole and it wasn't us. I swear to God. The whole place uh, I, have,
2: was, I have my questions about Chris, but yeah, <laughs> I know that the other it wasn't the other two, you know. We it were was good. so
0: bad. And then somebody was like, hey. Do you want these nachos? We have some extra nachos if you want them. Very like, soft, oh but we so took nachos, and yeah, I, I dug right in. But then, like, once we had the nachos, and then it smelled like a fart, and everybody kept drifting further away from us. It was pretty bad. Anyway, um, Clint, let's get let's get started with a question that I haven't asked in a long time. Where are you from? What you drinking over here?
2: Uh, it probably looks like I'm drinking, even though I'm not um, sipping on some Mio some fruit punch meal that i don't even really like if i'm yeah. speaking candidly it's not really my favorite flavor tried it out one time didn't like it and then i ran out of my good stuff the strawberry watermelon peach tea was the best but of course they had to discontinue that right, so, it's not happiness. yeah so strawberry watermelon was the second best ran out of that so right before the show i'm like what do we got and i'm sipping on fruit punch literally oh. um <laughs> not feeling good about it but you know
0: that's good. Well, we're going to talk some Bama football, which I, I hope you're feeling better about than I am because I have gone into my no. annual dark sadness mode of worrying and expecting the worst. I'm just in, I'm in full pessimism. Um, all right. So first and foremost, we, you know, Bama goes Bama goes what 13 and two last year. They get to the national championship game. Now, let's just let's just set the fucking tone right now, Clint, because I think I, I know the answer to this and you do, too. Was last year a rebuilding year, or was it not a rebuilding year?
2: <laughs> yes, it was a rebuilding year. It may, I mean, it, it's it's relative, right? I mean, yeah. would that have been a rebuilding year for 95% of college football? No. But for Alabama and what they've come to expect and, you know, how they run the program, right? you know, you had a ton of turnover. You got a first-round, you know, quarterback, first-round running back, a couple of first-round receivers. Heisman you know, Trophy winner. Yeah, you know, two first-round offensive linemen. Um, or at least, you know, one first round offensive lineman and then a guy who would have been a first round pick in Landon Dickerson had it not been for the torn ACL. Right. Still went, you know, uh, what number 37 overall. So, yeah, I mean, you also had an offensive coordinator, arguably your best offensive coordinator in school history. He yeah. leaves a lot of turnover. And then of course, you know, you kind of build your off your, you build your offense around certain guys and then you lose those guys right when everything really started to matter. Um, You know, I I would consider that a rebuilding year. I could, I can understand based off of the general definition of rebuild that people would get upset with that. But, I mean, from Nick Saban's perspective, and we also got to realize, too, the comment wasn't made as that being the point. It was very quickly, like, kind of ran through. And and I don't even think he meant anything by it. Um, It's the way that he viewed it. And just in his response to whatever question was being asked, he said, you know, last year was a rebuilding year. Everybody grabbed that sound bite and then they ran with it, um, which I don't think he was very happy about. By the way, we talked right. to, to him a, a few days later, and we all caught the the brunt into that one. Um, but yeah, I would say it was a rebuilding year. Okay,
0: so we're looking at the season. Vegas has the win total set at ten and a half, and I, so I think eleven wins is really it would be good. I'm not sold on I'm not sold on the offensive line. Still, um, talk me out of, of that for I guess for one, but coming out of spring also tell us like what are the big like what what is the biggest pros and cons to to getting over that number this year from a from a team standpoint like what what is the strength and what is the weakness of the team
2: i think obviously strength is your exterior pass rush uh, i don't know that i've ever seen a collection of pass rushers in college football that is this impressive and what's crazy is that i think it, it's starting to extend a little bit beyond the big 3 that we've been talking about with Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell. We've been hearing some good things about Keanu Coat, who was a five-star prospect according to On3, he was a a top 40 player um in the On3 consensus. And then, you know, uh, Quandarius Robinson, who's another top former top 75 guy. I've been hearing really good things about him. He had a fantastic scrimmage this past Saturday, had multiple sacks, multiple plays in the backfield. So, you know, uh, I think that they're actually starting to fill out that depth a little bit more with guys that they can trust. Now there's some other positions, obviously, that you know they they don't they do have depth, but it's a matter of establishing that depth. They have options as far as talent, but you know Nick Saban's talked about how some of those young guys really need to start stepping up. Talent won't be an issue, but just guys who can do things consistently to the standard that Alabama needs them to. That's an area where they're trying to get more guys who can do that. Um, the biggest weaknesses you talked about the offensive line. I'm not nearly as concerned about it as you. I really believe in Eric Wolford, and I've heard really good things. I mean, really across the board, Um, Tyler Steen has done a great job of kind of taking hold at left tackle. Um, The the center battle was ongoing, kind of leaning towards Darian Dalcourt right now, or at least it's looking that way. Emil Ikior, Jr. went from 324 pounds all the way down to 307. Um, And, you know, from people that I've talked to, has kind of taken that next step and a lot of people are expecting an elite, you know, caliber season out of him um heading into year five. And then you also got JC Latham who I think is taking a big step forward as well there at right tackle. Wow. And last year, you know, you look and you say there was one place where you could consistently get consistent pressure on Bryce Young, and that was coming off the right side of Alabama's offensive line. And I mean, you know, when you look at the group, there's nobody in particular that you can point to and say, that's where we're going to get consistent pressure. And I think from that standpoint, it's a little bit, you know, different in the approach that defenses are going to have to take. I feel really good about the offensive line, but it is a question mark. And then obviously you got question marks, at receiver and corner as well. Receiver, I think, is moving in the right direction. Corner, I think they got plenty of options. But, you know, from reports, there's nothing that makes you feel great about that position right now. Right.
1: A lot of times we like to go kind of position by position in on offense. We, we, we know what we've got in Bryce Young. Um, he's the first returning Heisman uh, player since Lamar Jackson, so it's been a couple years since we've seen that. Um, there's 12 returning starters, obviously, including him, which is the most Bama's had since 2013. We know what Bryce can do. He broke a couple records that were set by Mac Jones the year before last year. What about the other two guys at quarterback behind him? Just in case they need to have extended playing time, you think Bama could get through their schedule? Um, you know, eleven and one, ten and two, if they had to resort to another quarterback, like how good are those guys?
2: Uh, oddly enough, yeah, um, I would say probably with Jalen Milrow with Ty Simpson. I mean, he's a true freshman, a lot of talent, um, but you know, you don't want to make that assumption. You know, without having ever really seen him play in live game situations. Saw him in A-Day and did some pretty good things, but that's a much different environment. Um, but with Jalen Milrow, absolutely. He brings a lot more, you know, Bryce Young is a dual threat player, but he doesn't like to utilize it very much, only right. when he has to. A guy like Jalen Milrow, he can sling the football around, but he's learned to kind of more have more command in the pocket, and I think that's where Alabama has really been impressed with his improvement and his growth during the offseason but when you look at his ability to run the football it's not quite jalen hurts esque um necessarily but he's more of a power runner he he has a lot of speed um so i think that he can threaten defenses in that way and when you've got a young guy and he still is relatively young um you know i think having that dual threat ability and being able to rely on your legs in certain situations i think would be beneficial if Jalen Milrose was behind last year's offensive line, I wouldn't feel nearly as good about it. But I do think that that unit takes a big step forward. And if it does, then even going to a back or quarterback like Milrose, yeah, I would feel pretty good about their chances of being able to win football games because I don't think people quite realize he's a heck of a talent and he's going to be a great player. He just, you know, he's got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, you know, in front of him.
0: Yeah, sure. I think so. Going, you, you said you're not as concerned by the offensive line as as I am, which I think is a very fair, fair statement. The other thing you're, I, you're a think, stressor, I'm a big stressor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I've been stressed about is injuries in the preseason going through the the team. Um, obviously you lose Jojo Earl from six to eight weeks. Who is it? Like we saw TreShaun Holden. I think this is a much different question maybe a week ago or even interview because I've been saying all offseason. I think that the guy that's going to step up isn't even the kid from Louisville. Um, it isn't, it isn't, you know, a uh, burden or anything like that coming in. I think it's a guy from this recruiting class two cycles ago where you have a bunch of these, you know, top 50 receivers, top 100 guys. Who is the guy that um, maybe on top of Holden that steps up and kind of takes over in in this receiver class? I th- or, or, it's, it,
2: it's kind of the same situation as corner and offensive line. Like you haven't looked at any of these quote-unquote weaknesses or question marks for Alabama and say – we don't we have no idea who are going to be the guys that step up, and they have no options. It's been, we don't know who the guys are going to step up are, but they have options. It's just a matter of establishing who those guys are. And they have plenty of receiving, uh, receivers that could step up and, and do a pretty good job, I think. You know, Jacore Brooks, in some ways, kind of proved to be Mr. Clutch last year uh, in some big crucial moments, but he also faltered a little bit yeah. as a true freshman in the national title game year older, you're more mature. I think he learns from that much in the same way that, you know, Kyrie Jackson and Kool-Aid McKinstry do, uh, you know, at corner. Um, But, you know, that's a guy more of a big-bodied X, you know, style of receiver, can win vertically, not really through speed, but just, you know, athleticism. He's a bigger body guy. He's good in contested catch situations. Um, So I think that he would certainly be a guy that I would look out for. JoJo Earl, when he does come back, I think is going to be a very good player. I think Alabama was very excited about where he was trending. But, um, you know, Sean Holden is the one that was a little bit surprising. I think all of us going in when you look, I mean, I knew he would be in the mix, but I was more so viewing him as a wide receiver four or five. And I still have yet to see him with my own eyes. Um, I'm typically one of those people I'll buy into the hype a little bit, but I've got to see it myself to believe it. And so I know that he's got a lot of chemistry with Bryce Young. I mean, if you look back, who's been the one constant from the time that Bryce Young has been a starter at Alabama? You know, you've had Ja'Cory Brooks miss the spring. You've had all those receivers last year who went on to the NFL. Right. You've had JoJo Earl miss time, at, you know, in fall camp. You've had Cameron Latu, you know, your pass catching tight end. He's missed time in fall camp. You've had guys transfer, you know, Javon Baker, uh, Ajay Hall. The one constant has been Sean Holden. Right. And he had a very good relationship, and he already kind of had some established chemistry with Bryce Young coming in just based off of the fact that they were in the same recruiting class and went through that circuit and stuff, you know, all those – um you know, pre-camp, you know, st- stuff, whatever you want to call it, right? Prior to arriving at Alabama, and so I think they already had established a relationship. It hadn't really come to fruition on the field necessarily, but uh, you know, I think that that's really going to be beneficial for both players. You already got that comfortability factor, and Nick Saban talked about after the first scrimmage, we've got to get our quarterbacks on the same page with the guys that he's going to be throwing the football to on Saturdays, and they made a ton of progress, you know, from the first scrimmage to the second scrimmage in that area. In it show during the second scrimmage, but you know, Trashawn Holden, I think that gives him a huge advantage right now. Uh, Jermaine Burton obviously is the guy who's been the most consistent. You know, I don't even really think I have to mention him too much. We all know he's going to be up there, probably be the number one receiver, right, but yeah. then Kobe Prentice, the true freshman, you know, he's done a great job of stepping up in the slot. And so that's another guy that I would kind of look out for as well. Can you know, I think he can play inside or out slot, outside receiver, can win vertically, love the talent that he brings. Yeah. So, i do think they got some options man
1: i like that uh obviously a running back you know brian robinson had a shoulder load last year you had a couple injuries jason mcclellan Roydell williams go down um trey sanders just hasn't really been he hasn't lived up to the billing quite yet after that car accident that he had um but i don't think he could have brought in a better back especially considering robinson had 35 catches last year which would is more than any of the returning receivers have on the team outside yes, of Blue 2. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I think Gibbs, I mean, I've seen it. I actually, you know, watching him at Tech, But and I've seen people say it, like he, he reminds me of Dalvin Cook a lot, just his utilization out of the backfield, catching the ball. Are they going to center the offense around him, do you think? Or, or, or is he going to be a, like a Heisman candidate? Because I think he could be.
2: I think the the amount of attention that Bryce Young is going to command – you kind of, you know, defenses are going to have a very hard time focusing on both players, mm-hmm. because you know a guy like Kenny and Drake, at least at Alabama, it actually turned out to be a pretty good runner in the NFL there for a couple of years. But he was known more as a pass catching guy. And, and Jameer Gibbs is so dynamic in that area that I think that you know teams are going to focus on that, but him as a runner and his ability, you know, to be that home run hitter whether it be outside zone stretches, whether, you know, I think he could bang between the tackles a little bit. He's, certain, he, he, he's very physical. You know, for a guy who's 5'11", you know, 200 pounds, he plays a lot bigger than his size would indicate. And he does not shy away from contact. And I think that just between his, you know, his entire skill set and how dynamic he is, it's really going to provide Alabama with a huge asset and it's going to be a huge problem for opposing defenses. And so I do think that he could, you know, very well get in, into that Heisman conversation. I just don't know you know, our guys going to kind of cannibalize each other a little bit? That's the big okay. question mark. You know, with Will Anderson and Bryce Young, you start throwing Jameer Gibbs in there as well. I mean, we saw uh, you know, back in 2020, Alabama had Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and Mac Jones all finishing the top five. So I'm not saying that it can't happen, but, um, you know, I, I, Bryce Young, I think we need to take a little bit of a step back for Jameer Gibbs to kind of take – Reigns of the offense to be viewed as that guy, even though he's yeah. a very exciting player. And when he makes plays, people are going to notice. This isn't a Brian Robinson where, you know, you blink twice and the guy's rushed for 150 yards. You're going to see every yard that he gets, and it's going to be exciting and fun to watch. Right. And so it's a, just a much different approach. But the running back group as a whole, man, really you know, hearing hey. good things about the way Jason McClellan's progressing. Uh, Nick Saban talked about that you know, yesterday. Roydale Williams has added a lot of you know muscle. I feel really good about their running backs going into this season.
0: I'm going to have to stop shit-talking people named Jace.
2: Have you Um, had problems with Jaces in the past?
0: Uh, mainly just philosophically with the, just the name itself. Yeah. To
2: to to be fair, I've had a lot bigger problems with Chris's than Jace's in my life. In my experience, fuck
1: you, Clint. I mean, <laughs> it's a, <it's> a number <laughs> no, game, no. though. There's a lot more Chris's than Jace's. That is you know? fair. You're, I, you're
2: you're you're top three Chris's I know.
1: That, thank God. If I wasn't yeah. top three
0: Chris's, you know, Clint, that'd be a big problem.
2: I, I mean, I know a lot of Chris's. If name you know I knew some Steven, good ones too. What, so that's that's high praise. Say what?
0: Well, if I uh, what t- if my name was
1: Steven, where would I rank in, in your top five? Well, I, I, uh, so you are automatically assuming top five, huh?
2: Yeah, I mean, I Definitely. I know some good Stevens too. Um, know a lot better Stevens than I do Chris's, so that automatically, you know, vaults you to at least. I mean, you might not crack top five in that scenario. You're lucky your name Chris. I guess is That's my point. Okay, I appreciate that.
0: That's good. Yeah. We got Georgia fans in the comments that are um are talking shit already. Said please. Please, there's no E at the end of please. Try and run the ball versus us, please. So I don't so and this thing too. Um, well, this is a perfect transition. And I know you don't want to be here all night. So we'll try to get you out of here in like the next 10-15. Um, but going through the schedule, uh, Georgia fans may not know this, but Georgia doesn't play Alabama this year, lucky for them. Um, because they've only had one win, I think, in the last, I think 15 calendar years against Alabama. When you look at this schedule, what is a game where you think that this could catapult Bama into like Getting on like a little bit of a roll, which I know kind of sounds stupid because they are on one of those it seems like every year. Or could be like the beginning of a, you know, um, I don't know, a little bit of a downturn. It could could it kind of like be a catalyst until I get like, a, like a, a two to three lost season.
2: And, um <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not touching the two or three lost season. Um and granted, it can happen, certainly. It's just right. Historically speaking, that would be it's a lot more likely that that doesn't happen than it does. But I would say there's a a four game stretch right there in the middle of the season. You know, you've got that month of September where you've got Utah State, you got Texas, you got Louisiana Monroe, and you got Vanderbilt. And then after that is where things really start to get, you know, a little questionable because you got to go on the road and play Arkansas. I think it's going to be a very physically fought football game. Then you have the emotional factor of the Texas A&M game, even though it is at home, a lot of emotion involved there. And then you follow that up the very next week by having to go to Knoxville to play a very tough Josh Heupel offense with you know Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman, and you know they've got some pieces offensively. And I don't think Alabama is going to have a problem scoring on Tennessee. But I could see that turning into a shootout, and if things kind of get out of hand, and granted, you look at Alabama's defense, and you say, wait a minute, you know, how in the world is it going to turn into a shootout? In today's college football, it always feels like you're going to have that one game that gets away from you, and, you know, for Georgia's historically good defense last year, it was the SEC championship, and of course, there was some, you know, defensive touchdowns and things that added to the final score, but. I could kind of see uh, Tennessee and Alabama getting into a back and forth if if Tennessee's offense is what we think that it's going to be, which we still don't know, but right, you know, you know, signs are promising. But then if you get past that game, the very next week, you've got to welcome Mississippi State and and Mike Leach's offense, and I could see that after you know a physically fought game against Arkansas, you know the emotional factor and another physically fought game against a And M, then the Josh Heupel offense on the road, and then you got Mike Leach's offense. I mean, it's not quite the passing equivalent of a triple option offense, but it's so unorthodox that it's not something you're going to see often. So it's kind of tough to prepare for. And now Mississippi State's heading into year three under Mike Leach. This is kind of the time where things really start to click with his teams. You know, I could see that being a pretty uh, tough stretch for Alabama.
0: I will say this, too. um, um, I will say this, too. I think one of the things that, like, like, so the, Pete Golding has done really, really, really well against, uh, against what do you call it? Um, sorry, against uh, Mike Leach offenses since he's been there. Like, especially last year, you look at some of the numbers they put up. But I will say this that that AM to Tennessee transition and the Arkansas AM to Tennessee transition specifically, you know what that reminds me of is, is the 2012 um, LSU game in, in, in Death Valley, followed by Johnny Manziel. And AM. I'm not saying that Tennessee is anywhere close to that, but I'm saying that you have this very, very tough physical matchup on the road against LSU, even though I know we're home against AM. But you have to get up emotionally motion that game. You have to come back with Yeldon's make a man miss moment. And then you got to go play Johnny Manziel. And it's like, fuck. Like, you kind of go into this, you know, into a, you go down 21 0 in the first quarter, which again, I'm not comparing Manziel to Hidden Hooker or that offense, but I will say, that type of offense with Hypo because you know how they are on scripts, especially early on in those games. That's, that's something that kind of worries me. So Ty, let's give them uh,
1: one, one question more piece and then get him out of here. So he can go drink his juicy juice. <clears throat> so you think, I, I actually think I'm looking at that November 12th matchup, you know, I for everything that LSU, I, you know, I think Chris may have picked LSU last in the West if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they've got a lot of talent on that roster still. And, um, it's at LSU, probably what I would guess would be a night game, and then you go immediately the next week on the road at Ole Miss with them coming off a bye. That one is. What do you think is like the the biggest road bump to going undefeated on the schedule? Road bump.
2: I would say, like, like I said, I I've told people, you know, I I do think Alabama goes eleven and one. Um, I just can't tell you exactly where they're going to slip up. Right. To me, if you if if I were to guess and it is a pure guess, I mean, it's just as likely that Alabama goes on the road and they beat Tennessee by 40 points. And then everybody comes at me and hops in my mentions like you idiot. Um, (laughs) You know, but I'm not saying that that's that, that can certainly happen. But if I had to pick a game on the schedule right now, it would be at Tennessee. You've gone, you know, 15 years without beating them every year that you go, it gets that much more difficult. And if Tennessee starts feeling like they have a chance, if you don't put that away early and you let that crowd get involved in the emotional side for them, that what can happen if we do finally beat Alabama and they can do it at home, I mean, that place will get rocking really quick and it can become a very hostile, rough environment. But if it's not Tennessee, I mean, I could see, I mean, you know, Arkansas, uh, A&M, Mississippi, all those games are tough. But I think LSU could be extremely difficult because, you know, if you look historically, I mean, Alabama, and someone pointed this out recently, and they're 100% correct, a lot of your your losses that Alabama has suffered, you've gotten top wide receiver play. And the fact that you're going to Baton Rouge to play LSU and they've got some of the best receivers in the country, That in Alabama right now, that's probably the biggest uncertainty on the roster is cornerback. If they haven't gotten that stuff figured out by November 5th, you know uh, I could see that getting a little bit rocky because I, I think that they have a quarterback in Jaden Daniels or you know, Nussmeyer if it ends up being him. I'm not overly impressed with either. I don't think that either one of them are going to be you know, fantastic, but with Jaden Daniels' legs in particular, on top of having that dynamic receiver play, I could see that kind of becoming a, an issue combination. Uh, but then you talk about Ole Miss the very next week. I got to see it with Ole Miss. I'm yeah. having a hard time. Um, you know, part of me at the beginning thought Auburn. I was definitely going to pick them to finish seventh in the West, and then you know, Mississippi State's one that a lot of people are picking, and and I can't say that I completely disagree, mostly because of their schedule, but. You know, I could see them, but then Ole Miss, if the if the transfer stuff doesn't hit like it needs to, especially at the quarterback position, things can get really ugly for Lane Kiffin really quick. And I just I'll have to see now, hopefully by November twelfth, you know, maybe they've gotten things figured out and and Lane Kiffin's got something rolling. Zach Evans, I think, is going to be one of the best running backs in the country. So at least Mm -hmm. they'll be able to rely on that. They got a good offensive line. Got a couple of good weapons, Um, so we'll just have to kind of have to see how things are transitioning with those transfers. But I could see Ole Miss being a problem too if everything aligns like it should. Right.
0: All right. Last question. Well, I have one one real question that I got a yes or no from you. Yes or no. That's it. That's all I want to hear. Those are never good. Starting or not? Huh? Is Eli Rick starting or not?
2: No. No. I I don't think so. Um, And and you shouldn't be concerned with that. I'm just. what people's got to understand is that, it, and what this is what's happening. Alabama has had such a strong hit rate. If you think back, I mean, Landon Dickerson really things that started getting rolling with him. Tyler immediate ran. starter, Henry Toe Toe, Jamison Williams, immediate starters, immediate impact players. This year we're expecting that to be Jameer Gills. We're expecting that to be Jermaine Burton. You know, Tyler Steen has kind of stepped up and he's become that guy at left tackle, or at least we think he's going to be that guy. The hit rate at at as far as transfers are concerned has been so strong for Alabama that the guys who were not able to come in and immediately become that guy, it's like they're a bust. This was a huge mistake. And Eli Ricks is catching a lot of that. He's had a bad combination of, A, what he was asked to do at LSU. You know, they kind of, on that defense, it was a lot more, hey, go be a five-star, go be a playmaker. And that suited him. He did that extremely well. At Alabama, there's a lot more to playing the cornerback position, and you're not going to get safety help over the top. And you've got new coaches. You've got new teammates. It's a new environment. It's it's a new system, like I said. Plus, it's new expectations. The demands of playing at Alabama are so much more than they were at LSU under Ed Orgeron. So, I think he's transitioning as far as that is concerned. But on top of that, he's been banged up back in the spring. He got banged up this past week and had to miss the second scrimmage. And so, you've got this combination of he needs to be on the field continuing to get better and continuing to progress and you just i mean when you're banged up you're not able to do that so yeah. um i think he's going to be a good player for alabama and i could see him being their number one corner by midway through the year uh, i wouldn't be shocked at all by that but i don't think he's going to be that guy in week one no okay.
0: all right this is a final question okay it was usually going to say like what's what's the what's the over under on the wins?" you've already given that so i'm going to give you a little pregame speech and then I'm gonna i to have you answer this because this is this is the fucking thing, Clint. Okay. I'm gonna a little bit loud. Listen and the dogs are gonna get pretty upset. But let me just let me just say this. I've heard all offseason, heard about Georgia, I've heard about, about well, I mean, Coach Harson, him coaching them boys up down there in Auburn, which you know we love to see it. Um, heard about Tennessee, heard about Arkansas, heard about Ohio State, heard about all these people, all these different teams. But like I say, and I want everyone to hear me very clearly when I say this, like I say, every single year. And I don't know what time we play Utah State. I think it's a 7.30 game. But in a week and a half, Clint, at 7.30 p.m., they're going to tee up that fucking football, and you got to go line up, and you got to go play Alabama. Okay? So how far does this fucking team go? I'm amped up.
2: <laughs> how far does Alabama go? Yeah. you got to stone cold this? Um, mm-hmm. I, say it. I mean, right bad. now, the assumption has to be national title. Because when you look at it, best coach in the country – best offensive player, best defensive player. Um, You know Both your coordinators are coming back. A lot of your question marks from last year, you take a step back at receiver. Uh, I certainly think that they do there a little bit, but the offensive line is what kept them from being able to do what they wanted to do and what Alabama is used to doing, and everybody blamed Bill O'Brien for that, and did he make some terrible decisions? I mean, in the Texas A&M game, throwing the football three times in a row down on the goal line, that's unforgivable in this state, but... To be fair, we should have all taken that and said, What does he think about this offensive line that, yeah. he's ha- that he feels like he has to throw the football three times down there near the goal line? And it's just the, the offensive line was so limiting. And the fact that I think it's going to take a big step forward, I feel really good about it. I think Eric Wolford, you know, Nick Saban, anytime you've been asked about the offensive line, it has been, you know, raving reviews, but it, he always finds a way to come back to Eric Wolford and doesn't even a lot of times mention him by name. Just oh, yeah. he's like the hey the guy we got running stuff right now you know I think the players are adopting his mentality and that. we feel really good about you know how, how their mentality has changed compared to last year that speaks volumes he's talked about the run game you know he's a lot more confident in that he thinks they're protecting you know pass protecting a lot better so I mean when you combine all that yeah who else can say all of that best player in college football best offensive defensive both coordinators best head coach rest of the roster you, there's no clear weaknesses i think right now the assumption has to be a national title and if they don't win one this is a year where it's like i totally get the expectations and it will be a huge disappointment if they don't
0: we're gonna end with that and i'll just say that i've coined the phrase horny for disrespect here in the offseason and i think uh, clint's words right here just just horny for respect guys i just i just say it i feel very happy right now
1: i don't want to go the way
0: cigarette this sounds great Clint, tell everyone where they can find you, uh, dude. I can't say I can't say thank you enough for having you on here, man. Um, yeah,
2: we'll I'm glad we were finally able soon. to do it. What's that? I'll, I'm glad we were finally able to do it, man. This was fun.
0: Yeah, man. We'll do it again in 2027 for sure. But tell everyone <laughs> where uh, where they can find you, and, uh, and we'll we'll get at you soon,
2: man. Um, I really, where can't you find me nowadays? I feel like I'm doing so much. Uh, at Clint R Lamb on Twitter. You can go, you know, BamaInsider.com got the talk of champions message boards going on over there great uh, conversation about you know alabama football and college football in general i'm on there all the time i feel like i'm on there 24 7 so you can check me out there um and then just whatever you do don't ask chris for my number
0: (laughs) because i will give it out for sure (laughs) all right dude we'll talk to you soon man we appreciate it enjoy your game next
2: Next, time see you guys appreciate y'all having me on all right bye
0: all righty man Big dick. There you have it. I'm in through. Let's get into these week zero uh, bets. That was fun. Clint's the best man.
1: So he he fired you up there a little bit. So did, did you fire yourself up?
0: I fired myself up a little bit. I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You guys know how I am. I just I wear everything on my sleeve anyway. But when I tell you that Clint, I've I've told him this, and I, this is gonna be a little bit overdramatic, but I mean it. Like Clint's face last year was like a sign for me that everything was gonna be okay. I know that sounds crazy, but when when I got credentialed for that first game against Miami, the band of Miami game, I remember going into the the, I remember going into the fucking uh, press box, right? And I'm like, okay, you got this. I've I've driven by both former places I used to live, and at the time, it's not like now where things are like, you know, seemingly going pretty well, and I'm happy again, and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I was like, fuck, how am I gonna do this? Like, I'm like, I'm not gonna make it through this. And I remember walking in, and I swear to God, the first thing I heard when I walked in. The, the press box was some girl and some guy both telling their own stories about how they had just gotten engaged and I was like, I'm going to fucking hurl myself out of this press box down below. And I turned the corner and I see Clint and I was like, oh, and he's just like, he's just such a, he's like such a good southern, like hey man, like like it'll slap your shoulder they'll probably sting a little bit when he does it just say, how are you doing man? How are you doing? We sat there, we had a blast man. it was, it was a lot of fun That's and awesome. I am fired up because he's a lot
1: more reasonable than I am and you heard it here. You heard it here first. All right, so we're gonna be making our week zero bets. We're gonna track these throughout the year. Yeah, not a lot of great on the uh, schedule here. I think I've got. I got two. I've got four bets. Whoa, maybe five. Okay. Let's see. Let's go with your first one. What is it? Well, it's, so I told you
0: last week, my locks. Can I get into like the, my my prop bet locks? Okay. Okay, Hinden Hooker over. Um, 13- I'm writing these down. Yeah, write them down. Then Hinden oh. over 2,769 yards passing. He was under 7, that last, he had, Yep, he only had he only had ten games um, where he was uh, he was the starter. Every single Josh Heupel quarterback that he's had in his system in the last six years, that was like four of the six have gone over 3,300 yards. The only two that have gone under that. Are him and Milton McKenzie, who also only played ten games. So I fully expect him to go over that number. They've averaged around thirty-one hundred yards as a of passing in his offense. I think they'll go. I think he'll skyrocket past that. So that's my lock. The other one is Bryce Young under thirty. What is it? Thirty-eight hundred and fifty-nine passing yards. Um, he had thirty-nine hundred and one. These are all regular season numbers, by the way. He had thirty-nine hundred and one last year. He had Javis Williams. He had a first round. He had Mechie. Uh, he also did not have a running game. Alabama threw the ball more than they ran the ball in six games – or uh, yeah, in six of their 12 regular season games last year. It's the first time that ever happened under Saban. Um, they had four games where they were held under 100 yards rushing. To put that in perspective, that happened three total times in the previous 10 years combined. I don't expect that to be a thing this year. I think they'll throw the ball a lot. Um, but they won't throw it as much as, as they they have in the past. All the numbers I just told you, even with all that, Bryce Young only passed that number by 42 total yards. So I expect that to go under that. What's the number? 38.59. Uh, 38.59. Third prop bet: Bryce, or I'm sorry, Brock Bowers under 10 and a half touchdown catches in the regular season. Here's why: um, Brock Bowers best of tight end in the country. Everyone knows that has 56 catches for 882 yards and 13 total touchdowns last year in the regular season. Keep in mind, he only had 10. Okay. He only had 10, but he had 25 more catches than any other player on the team last year. I don't expect that to be the case this year. He also um, is the only Georgia player in the last or in since 2009. So the last 12 years, I don't know why I'm out of breath, but I am. Um so, so fired up about the band. So fired up. So, Bryce, Bryce, or Brock Bowers, he's the first Georgia player to have over 10, uh, 10 receiving touchdowns in a season since 2009. So, he's the first one to do it in 12 years. Also, his 13 touchdowns are the most of any tight end in the country in the last five years. I think you'll just see a natural regression on that. And again, even with all that, he only had 10 the regular season, so he didn't even pass 10.5 last year. Now he's got Eric Gilbert. Now he's also got a lot more depth receiver in and, and passing game than he had a year ago. I think he'll be under that number as well. My week zero picks. I'm taking Nebraska minus 13.5 over Northwestern.
1: It's at 13 now.
0: I'm taking them to cover that. I oh, it's at all- 12
1: now. I'm still taking it. This is making me
0: feel worse and worse. I know. It's
1: insane. <laughs> I had him at 13 and a half, too, and I'm looking at Bovada right now. It's Nebraska minus 12. Here's it the thing. has changed.
0: Here's the thing. With, with, with Nebraska going into Scott Frost year, year five, whatever it is, it's time to put up or shut up. They're going to Ireland. You have got to come out and make a statement. What he has to do more than anything, he has to win games that he's supposed to win. They went three and nine last year. They were the best, you know, quote unquote, best nine loss team in the history of college football, which is fucking pathetic. Um, but when you, have, when you have nine losses by single digital S, in a year like this, he's got to get to seven wins. He's got to get to a bowl game. He's got to show like the boosters, like why he needs to be, he needs to come back for another year. He's got to win this game. And I think he's got to prove a point. So I think Nebraska wins big. This is a game they won last year, 56 to seven
1: that was gonna be my point they had dominated last year and like totally dominated in the trenches right nebraska brings in a ton of transfers including casey thompson at qb yeah yeah and like you said this is frost this is he has to win this they follow this up with four straight home games right so if they could win this one you know then they've got all these games at home you could you could pretty much save your job Yeah. Um, that is one of my picks as well love that i'll
0: also say that this is going to be the first of many, many weeks this year where we quote my favorite German dungeon porn band of all time. Uh, remember the song, Do Haas Me? Yeah, Do Haas. Do frost me, baby. Do frost. Do frost me. All year long, baby. All year long. I love it. Um, here's the other one. Now, I'm going, to t- I'm going to give you some numbers and none of this is going to add up. But I told you this last week. Teams that go to play a regular season game on the road, a season opener at Hawaii, are 1-7 oh. against the spread in their last like eight games out there. Vandy, who's god-awful, is a 6.5-point favorite. We are going to take Vandy to cover the 6. I, think, it's, I
1: think we're getting even better odds now. Is
0: it down 2? 8.5, Vandy. Oh, I, I like it. I'm still taking it.
1: Love it, yeah. You have, oh, so are you going against 44? it, right? What's that? You going against it? Like you're going Hawaii plus eight and a half?
0: Oh boy. Um, no, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Vandy. Um, hold on one second. Uh,
1: Vandy minus eight and a half.
0: I'm taking Vandy. I'm taking Vandy, First off, I'm taking Vandy minus six and a half. Let's just say I got it early, okay? Wow. Okay. Because <laughs> I did. Um. Anyway, I'm taking the six and a half. It, there's no part of me that says that they should win this game or cover the spread, except for the fact that S&P Plus rankings came out, and Hawaii is fucking awful. I mean awful. All right, you give your picks, and then I want to give everyone a good send-off before we go.
1: All right. Um, I'm also taking Nebraska, minus we get it at 12. Uh, I'm also going to take the under in that game, under fifty and a half. I think both of these teams – you got, a, you got a brand new QB. You're working with a lot of new parts. Um, I'm going to give you the Vandy minus six and a half. Thank you. Yeah, you will. Take a for state. Minus 35 and a half against so Duquesne. The fact, that, the fact that it's uh, only minus 35 and a half against Duquesne is very sad that there's actually a line out there. Uh, they need to come out and score as many points as possible in front of a home um, okay. Since 2016, since we've won a game and started 1-0. Uh, New Mexico State, plus 8.5. I've half. I've I've read that Nevada might be one of the worst teams in the country this year. They just lost yeah, their right. one good player. So I'll take some points for New Mexico State. And then I'll go on the other side of you, but you got to give me the plus 8.5 for Hawaii because I don't think Vandy can cover a, a two-score. Wow. Very tight window for us to, uh, <laughs> to make money. All right, is that it? That's it.
0: All right, let me say something to everybody. We'll track this. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart, okay? I'm trying to get emotional, but I probably will. On Saturday morning, on Saturday morning, we're going to wake up. It's going to be 8.55. Those of you with kids, you'll have been up for hours already. Mm -hmm. Just fucking miserable, all right? Questioning all your life choices. But at 8.55, your boy's going to get out of bed. He's gonna turn on the TV and for the first time in almost nine fucking months, a baby's been cooking for how long it's been since the last time we've heard this, okay? Two of the worst country singers of all time, big and rich, which they are neither of those things, are gonna come on stage. Do you remember that time that, by the way, that 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 Rich cut his fucking his uh Nike signs off of his socks? (laughs) No. He got, he got so upset about something they were doing politically. He cut all the Nike stuff off his socks like he couldn't just get his fucking new socks. Anyway, here's the deal. You're going to wake up, you're going to turn on ESPN, and for the first time in almost nine months, we're going to hear the sweet fucking sounds of big and rich. And we're going to feel whole again. And college football season will be back. And for the first time in nine months, we will wake up, and from noon to fucking 1 a.m., we will just be entrenched in college football, the greatest sport on earth. So I just want to say congrats to everybody. Congrats to Tyler. Also want to say thank you to everybody. And I want to say thank you to Tyler. Thank you to Dan uh, for all the hard work this offseason. You made it. Because we finally fucking made it. And now we get to be whole people again. And, man, I just – I know that I'm going to wake up. I'm going to start crying. Not uncontrollably. I'm going to start crying as soon as I hear those beautiful, sweet words. We're coming to your city. And Liz is going to look at me like, are you fucking crying over Big and Rich song? I'm like, it's just so beautiful. And it will be so beautiful. And I'm just so happy for all of us. We're fucking back, man. We are fucking
1: back. Let's go. All right. Well, week zero, you know, it's a little, it'll be a little muted after we get kicked off. And then we realize we're watching uh, Nevada and New Mexico State. (laughs) Desperately hoping New Mexico State covers plus eight and a half. This is why we love the sport. I'm excited. We'll be back with you guys after the weekend is over to recap what should be an exhilarating Week Zero. And then, finally, next week, midweek, don't know if it's going to be Wednesday or Thursday, one of the two, we are going to preview Week 1. Yeah. we got a ton of big matchups. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see you guys there. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Do like it. and subscribe on YouTube. For Chris, I'm Tyler. See you guys. week.